Welcome back to Pop Culture Pulpit. My name's Nick. And I'm Tyler. And Tyler, a lot of people have been asking us, asking, are we back? And you know, I haven't really had an answer. You know, I've just, it's been a really long and, and really, really uh, busy couple weeks. But now I'm thinking, I think I've got an answer. I think, I think we're back. We back! We're back! Finally, and we're so excited to be here. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Nick is at his new home in Michigan. We won't tell yes, the sir. fans where exactly so they don't storm your home and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that'd be a problem. I actually, I want to tell you, Tyler, um, so this wall right behind me, my plan yes. is, is to have like, you know those those uh, baseball bat-like um, holders that you can put on a wall, like display yeah. things? So I'm going to put one of those up and have them leveled out and then put my lightsabers like even on the display case like that. So yeah. it's right above my bed. So that's that's like my my hope for what for what's going to be behind me one of these days. So one of these days they'll, yeah. they they might open up on YouTube and be like those are lightsabers behind Nick. And I'll be like yeah, yeah they are. Yeah, that sounds pretty sick. You know, you could also do like the night light uh lightsabers. So like when mm, you flip mm-hmm. a light switch the lightsabers activate and give light to the room. That'd be sick. Yeah. But see that this that, is, that is dope. Yeah, this is my studio right now. The uh Galactic Republic flag. Ooh. Uh and Come on. down here is an Atari. And then this is my mm. Nerf gun. I love my Nerf gun. But I am currently right now in my garage remotely recording this podcast with Nick. And uh it is hot in this garage. So if I start to uh, uh, sweat uncontrollably, Nick, I may have to shed my shirt. Whoa, 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 whoa. We don't, we don't need know. to show the viewers that. You might need to like shut off your camera or something because that's a little right. too promiscuous. Well, yeah, this is a family-friendly podcast. Family-friendly. We bleep out all of our promiscuous language. Exactly. Yeah, and I think we get it mostly accurate in the editing, but... We are here today to do a catch-up episode, get through a bunch of different things that we've missed in the last several weeks being on and off. And uh, I think the first thing we're going to talk about is a movie that Nick has seen that I have not, uh, and that would be John Wick Chapter 4. Chapter 4, baby. Yeah. So um, I went and saw it, oh, I don't know, I think it was beginning of May, and it had been out for like five weeks at that point, five or six weeks at that point. It was honestly a great movie. Like, I just want to say, if you haven't seen it, go see it. Um, but also, if you have see it, seen it, you know it's it's a phenomenal film. I'm a little frustrated because they've, they've started to come out with some stuff about, um, oh, they're, they want to make a, a five. Yeah. And I'm like, Why? Because they have a really great ending. Like, it is, it's like a bookend ending. It's done. You're like, they can't do anything else. Please don't do anything else. And they were like, no, no. We're, we're, we're developing a fifth one. And I'm like, what, what's the purpose? There's, there's no purpose here. Like, you're not, you're not actually finishing a story at this point. Yeah. And, uh, from what I read and heard, they have already started the fifth one. And so, okay, like, like writing, what, are you saying writing or like, 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 I, I think it's... they're produced, they're in production of it and maybe it's halted Mm-mm. with our next subject, but no, they didn't start, they haven't started doing anything with a fifth one. 
they they like they weren't even planning mm. a fifth one. And then everybody was like, fifth one, fifth one, fifth one. And they were like, it's, oh, maybe we should start thinking about that. And it's like, no, you literally made a good story. Don't – because, okay, and you know what? If you don't want it spoiled, skip a couple minutes ahead um, and, and don't worry about it. Uh, but Tyler, I'm going to let you know, he dies. Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? Yes, that's how the movie ends. And and I'll, But it's a very good – like, it's very well – well done hmm. and they make it a really big piece of about this it's this whole thing where it's like john wick is they make it very well done where where they pretty much are like john wick is a man who literally has nothing to live for hmm. he literally the only thing that keeps him going is his fight for revenge but once yeah. he gets that vengeance there will be nothing left for him to live for so he gets his vengeance and he's like been he's been shot and like he's He's already, bro has gone through, like, so much, like, wounding, and he's getting butt, gotten beat. He literally falls down, like, a hundred stairs, a hundred concrete stairs at one point. And so, like, he dies, and it's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. You finish the story, he fixes these things, like, he, he, he gets his vengeance, and, and this other dude's alive, and, and, you know, it's a good ending. I'm like, what else? Oh you my you wrapped up the last three, like the the whole movie, like the series is done. Like you don't need to do anything else. And so that's where I'm like, y'all are just greedy. That's, that's all yeah. I have to say. Yeah, because I, I just looked up what I had read and Lionsgate, it says it confirmed that they're in early development of John Wick mm-hmm. 5. And it says in the John Wick franchise, did in the movie in chapter four, did they set up a potential successor for John Wick? Even kinda. No. So the thing is, is um, there is a spinoff series called The Ballerina with Anna de Armas. Okay. And that, I believe, I don't, I think it's going to be on HBO Max, but I'm not 100% sure about that. Mm. Um. And so I've heard stuff about that. I've heard that's like gotten going and stuff. But in my head, I'm like, okay, just don't, if, if it's gonna, if you're in early development of something, don't call it John Wick 5. Like, don't even refer to it as John Wick 5. Right. Like, don't, e- if that's not, if it's just in the franchise, don't even try and, and, and put that with the rest of the, the series because you're not. <sighs> You're, yeah, I, I, it honestly, it just makes me very frustrated as a viewer and as somebody who's like, this was a good story. Don't ruin it. Don't get ahead of yourselves. Don't just, just let it be. Let it, just let it flow. Yeah. It's poopay. Let it flow. Just let it flow. It's poopay. It's poopay. Uh, so basically this is the new Fast and the Furious franchise. And uh, we're going to get John Wick coming back to life. Mm. Uh somehow some way it's going to be it was it was not really john wick it was somebody else but mm. out of 10 what would you give john wick chapter four john wick chapter four i would probably give i'd give it an 8.8.5 okay so it's because pretty it good does a really movie. great job it does a really great job um if you've never seen a john wick movie Allowing you to go in, never seeing a John Wick movie. Mm, all right, um, but it also does a really great job with a like having a phenomenal villain and having a phenomenal cast, supporting cast. 
that you kind of like it's not one of those things where they're like we're gonna get you to care about the supporting cast it's more of one of those things where they're like hey the supporting cast is here and we're not we're not trying to make you care about them you don't need to like they're great characters they're doing they have their own like their own um motivations everybody has a motive and that's one of the things i love is it doesn't feel like anybody's just randomly there Gotcha. It's not like John Wick is like, <laughs> I'm gonna go pull in my random friend from over here. <laughs> no, everybody's there and is like tied into the into the plot for their <clears throat> for their own reasons and for for their own um, desires and they all have this motive and it really I really enjoyed it. And the fight scenes, there's one fight scene that is just fire, just straight. Oh boy, you're literally getting a bird's eye view as he goes throughout an entire house, just taking people out. And so he fights Dang. off, like, probably 12, 15 guys, but he's, like, going room by room, clearing rooms, and you're watching it like you're in a third-person video game. That's sick. And so it's insane. It's one of the coolest fight scenes I think I've ever seen. And so I would give it an 8.5 yeah. because it's got phenomenal action, and the plot is phenomenal, and you never feel like... Like, there are moments where you're like, he shouldn't be getting up. But it's never one of those thing, things where you're sitting there saying, this movie sucks because he shouldn't be able to continue getting up. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and, and uh, Keanu Reeves, amazing training for these movies. Oh, yeah. Training with some of the top uh, firearms experts and just he's out at the range and he's, he's producing these moves that, uh, you know, you would only really see or expect to see on highly trained soldiers like Navy SEALs and things like yeah. that. And he's, he's running through this course in like a record time. And uh, it's just really cool to see those behind the scenes uh, clips. But yeah, it's just 8. incredible, 5. honestly. 8.5, 8. that's 5. pretty good. And I know that's I'm generous, good. but it's, it's, it really is an 8.5. Nick, we all know you're a nice, generous guy. But I believe you because uh, I think <clears throat> IGN gave it a 10 out of 10. And IGN doesn't hand out 10, 10 out of 10s mm-hmm. very often, or at least you would, you would, it, it's really good that they give a 10 out of 10 and people should look at that because that doesn't happen yeah. as often as we think. But, Oh yeah. Uh, so the next thing we want to talk about is the, uh, the writer's guild of America strike. It yeah. is the big thing that's sweeping <laughs> across, you know, entertainment right now. In short, the Writers Guild of America basically has had a list of demands and wants from the Mm -hmm. larger production companies um, that they're employed by to get a greater share of the revenue stream uh, because while the previous agreement keeps them here, the companies continue to rise and they continue to gain a profit and the writers feel they are entitled to a greater cut because of the work they put in. Um, and that's my understanding of what the situation is at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think um, something that I've also seen a bunch from, uh, from a bunch of people kind of not big names in the industry, but people who have a lot of connections with big names. And so they, they know a lot of stuff on the inside, but they're not a big enough name that people freak out when they say things and so like um there's a guy i follow his name's ryan unicum and ryan unicum is awesome dude uh 
And he's one of the people who I'm like, usually I trust a lot of his reviews and stuff um, because he's really, really well spoken and well thought out in those reviews. And they're ne- it's never, I've never seen him give a bad review in the sense of uh, like just being totally off, if that yeah. makes sense. Um, but he had, he's been saying that uh, it seems like the Screen Actors Guild is also um, very, uh, very close to also stepping into a strike as well. Um, mm. And so, which has been super interesting because a lot of, a lot of actors have also been um, stepping into the ring of protest with the Writers Guild. Um, I know uh, Mandy Patinkin uh, was out with, with them um, with some, he was right, uh, not writing, uh, protesting uh, as well. He's pretty, he, I've seen some videos of his, he's, he's pretty harsh with uh, his oh, yeah. uh, protesting. Oh yeah. Um, uh, shoot, I'm trying to think of other people. And for those that don't know who Manny Patinkin is, he plays Inigo Montoya uh, in The mm-hmm. Princess Bride. He also uh, was Gideon on Criminal Minds for the first yes. few seasons, which yeah. if you look at the two side by side, you might not believe it, but they are they nope. are the same person. Yeah, yeah. And uh, oh shoot, there were a couple other actors that I remember seeing um, out there and, and, and were, were with the, the Writers Guild. And um, I know that right now, also with Deadpool, um, Deadpool's still in production, but because of the of the protests and the things happening with the Writers Guild, Ryan Reynolds can't um, improv any lines. Yeah, he cannot because because during this strike, um, it, it it's like no member of the Writers Guild can work, or they're I think kicked out of the Writers Guild. I think I think that's the way it works. Um, is my understanding of it, and so currently like that would make sense. Yeah, yeah, no, it makes sense. And because he's a part of that and he's listed as a writer for the movie, he legitimately has to, he can't change a single line, which a lot of people are worried about kind of messing with the, the flow of the movie because it's Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. And that's that's like his entire charm is he comes up with things on the spot that just work. Yeah, and the thing about it is uh, at what point, like I understand from the movie company can still just release the movie and they'll get a ton of money. Mm-hmm. But what I've never understood is why would you make something bad that you know fans will hate just to get one paycheck when you can continue to cash in on this same character? And with Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool, it makes the most sense in the world, especially if I'm Ryan Reynolds, to just stop because you are Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Stop mm-hmm. production on the movie. <clears throat> MCU uh, properties have been slowly trickling into this mm-hmm. place where all of them are halting production. So why not just halt Deadpool if you're, especially if you're Ryan Reynolds, a part of the Writers Guild? Like and, maybe I mean, maybe it's he's contractually obligated because he's a producer, because he's an actor, right? And if the Screen Actors Guild strikes, then we're not getting anything done. Mm-mm. Well, and that's the thing is, uh, there are so many people who are uh, talking about, oh, what was it? It's this dry spell we're going to hit in the next, like, year and a half, two years of of entertainment. Because, and especially because um, even in the video game world, where, like, somebody, uh, there's another I never thought about that. that. Yeah, so there's another account that I I follow, love him to death, um, and I might, I'm hoping uh, to reach out to them again, but... 
they there it's called the oh the cultured nerd they're amazing um the guy's named taylor he's who runs the account but he's got a team of editors and people who do news articles and stuff um but they all do it free um they don't make any money from it but they're awesome they also have a podcast but he has a lot of people that he knows who um he does a q a every once in a while and somebody asked they were like hey like how excited for are you for blank blank and blank and blank of all these video games and that are all coming out this year and he's like I mean, I'm excited, but also we're about to go into a huge dry spell because yeah. he's like, we're hit, we're like, yeah, you're correct. We're getting Spider-Man two. We just got tears of the kingdom. We're getting, um, Oh shoot. What else? There's a bunch of other stuff coming out. I can't think of it yeah. right now off the top of my head, but there's a bunch of stuff coming out and they're sitting there saying, yeah, that's great. But we're going to hit a spot where you're sitting there waiting for, a while and the question becomes like with movies and tv shows and other things we have a lot of stuff coming out but now that we've got this strike happening there's not like there was a timeline and that timeline is now not getting hit and and yeah yeah, that that is the entirety of the the chips that uh that the wga gets to kind of sit there and say hey we've got the chips on our side we we like you can't do anything without us legally yeah and so, like, um, I mean, it goes back to, I talked to you a little bit about this before, Tyler, but, like, w- in 2008, I think, they did a writer's strike. Um, there was another writer's strike. And there was a number of, of stuff that just got canceled. Like, it was stuff that was, like, um, there was a Justice League movie. It was called Justice League Mortal. It yeah. had awesome cast. The cast was already done. Um, it had Adam Brody as The Flash. It had uh, Army Hammer as Batman. Um Oh, wow. shoot. It had a couple other people that I'm like, my brain is blanking on their names. Uh, do you remember the guy who played um, uh, Chekhov in, in Star Trek? Curly yeah. hair. Uh, yeah. He was supposed to be Wally West. Like, he was going to be... Uh, wow. It was going to be super cool. Cause, like, and they've released all kinds of stuff for this movie. So a lot of people... Some people know about it. Some people don't. But it got... And the movie had... They had... Um, costumes made they had started kind of doing some fittings and stuff uh and then the strike happened and then the movie just got canned and the movie had a dope dope um plot because it was this whole thing where um it was a combination of identity crisis which is a phenomenal a very i really enjoy it a lot of people don't enjoy the the graphic novel but it's a i really enjoy it because it's it deals with the what happens um when superheroes uh when when a superhero dies and like a spouse kind of goes a little bit off the rocker yeah and what happens when when people know like when villains find out the identities of heroes hmm and so like people's like this is when uh tim drake robin his dad dies um he gets killed by captain boomerang um in in the midst of this uh somebody else i think sue dibney uh so elongated man's wife she dies um there's just a number of people who get kind of caught in the crosshairs and in the crossfire of like all this stuff and it was kind of covering that it was a little bit of a spin on that and um i think infinite crisis it was just it was a bunch of little like justice league stories kind of being pushed together which it was a very simple version of it but they ended the movie with um 
they ended the movie with Adam Brody's Barry Allen the Flash dying, sacrificing himself, and um, oh, I've got to look up this actor name, actor's name because it's going to bother me that I don't know it. The Chekhov. Yeah, Chekhov uh, Anton Yelchin. Uh, Anton Yelchin's character as Wally West taking up the mantle of the Flash and joining the League at the end of the movie, and I'm like, I love that. That's great. It had a phenomenal cast and all of these things, and because of this strike, it was one of the things that got canned, which not saying that the strike was invalid because it was totally valid. They definitely need to do that. Right. Um, but it's just the, it's the fact that we're hitting that spot again, where we're watching stuff get pushed back and we're watching stuff kind of get pushed more to the side um, because of this. And so in the next year or two, we're going to start seeing the repercussions of that in entertainment. We're going to start seeing um, TV shows that were slated to get released or slated to even start production, just get taken off the board. Um, yeah. I mean, like, uh, did you ever watch Chuck? A little bit. So that was the WGA strike, uh, was one of the reasons that Chuck got canceled the first time. Yeah. Um, and then brought back. And so like, it's stuff like that where we're now going to be seeing a little bit of that. Um, and some oh, shows like s- some shows like Scrubs, uh, which was set to end, uh, mm. right before this writer strike had ha- was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it was supposed to go into one final season. And what had happened was um, instead of that, they actually made three more seasons wow. in order to, and I don't know exactly why they did three more seasons, but I love the later seasons of Scrubs, not the last season because it's terrible, mm-hmm. but then we got an amazing ending for Scrubs. So on the one hand, they can produce they can give a second chance or a second life to a show, but mm-hmm. more often than not, new exciting pilots are left on the cutting room floor. Uh, current shows that are still in their infancy can't make it out of its second season. Yeah, And then you have long-running shows like Chuck that get affected by it too. And I actually pulled up both uh, strikes. So the mm. strike in 2007-2008 lasted for 100 days. And that cost the American uh, entertainment industry an estimated $50 million. Wow. I'm sorry, that that sorry, that five that's $500 million. Um that's actually from the 1988 strike. The strike that happened in 2008 according to NPR had an, esti- an estimated $1.5 billion that affected the ec- economy of Los Angeles. That's insane. That's crazy. So that's that's just three months and eight days. That's it. Three months and eight days and $1.5 billion. We are currently sitting at one month mm-hmm. on this current writer strike, which started on May. What was... What was we're on day, to the day end. 32. You're right. Okay, yes. Yeah. So, Sorry, I just looked um, it up because I was curious. Oh, good. I was looking for it too. So with that, I mean, you're talking, you're talking about small concessions to the Writers Guild of America to avoid – now, of course, it's not costing these studios anything. It's costing the economy of Los Angeles. But mm-hmm. if you're Los Angeles County – you're probably looking to push and put pressure on the these companies <clears throat> to get in line and just give away some money. 
And I bet the writers – I have not read what the Writers Guild is demanding, but I'm sure it's not crazy amounts of uh, of concessions. Probably not, no. I mean it's probably what they're what they're worth. Like it's it's most likely just, hey, I want to be able to live on, you know, actually writing things. And right. I'm curious how much um how much part of this strike is also, hey, I would like the studio to stop trying to take what I give them and you know, change it a billion times. Like, yeah, I, I might be wrong. And, that might not be part of it. I'm just curious how much that might also be. Right. So, uh, one one report uh, says that the proposals that the WGA is proposing would yield the writers four hundred and twenty nine million dollars a year. And so, if we break that down in three months, LA in two thousand eight lost one point five billion dollars. Mm-hmm. We're talking about $429 million a year. That's over oh. all of these giant studios oh. that make, I mean, good goodness. Uh, you know, Endgame, Spider-Man No Way Home, these movies make a billion dollars. Yeah. So we're talking, we're talking negligible money to these big corporations, and nobody thinks the corporations are in the right here, I don't think. I don't no, know of anybody no. that would think that they're in the right with this one because it's just as life goes on, as life moves forward, there is there is an increased need to raise wages, right? Yeah. It, oh, it's 100%. Just, it's, just, it's just how it works. The cost of living goes up, so the wages need to follow suit. Yeah. And there's with these corporations, they have plenty of incentive to make sure these writers – are well paid and they're the best writers they could possibly be. Yeah, well and I think as we move forward like as we move forward these these corporations I hope will see the fact that not only will like not only will the will they lose money but the fact that like they're not making stuff. Like if you're yeah. not making something and you can't release something, you can't start paying for the things that you want to make. Yeah. Like you're going to have to start pulling from your pocket a little bit to make something because you're you're running thin on stuff is my assumption. My assumption is that like hey, you know, if we stop making money or like stop making producing things for let's let's say the writer strike goes for another 2 months, 3 months, 4 months. Um if we're not making stuff for for half a year because of this strike, then those buildings, those lots, those offices, everything, they're still, like, they still have to be paid. Like, those, yeah. they still have to have utilities, they still have to, like, whatever. They're still spending money. So it's one of those things, you know, like, you're, you're going to have to start, you're going to have to either chalk it up and, and figure out how to spend the money on the writers, or you're going to have to figure it out and spend the money earlier on other stuff. And then you're going to have to, like, it just, in my head, it doesn't make sense to not just, be like, okay, yep. Well, here are your demands. Like we, which I all it all. It's funny because I didn't think about this, but it's like a, it's a hostage situation. Like that's what it is. Yeah. Um. The writers are saying, hey, like, give us our demands, or you don't get to make money unless you want to do it illegally. Um. Right. And and there's gonna be some. It's it's 
it's going to be such a small change to what the Writers Guild is proposing. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I, I'm sure what they're doing as a corporation is to try to prevent more of these strikes. Because if the strikes do come more often, then I think people will start to look at it a little differently. Mm-hmm. They'll start to they'll start to think that the writers are just up for the money and they're just running after the profits and things like that. So I, I'm see, but, but here's the thing: is oh, I was just, I was just gonna say like. If we look at when these strikes have happened, they they continue to happen at moments when our economy is not at a great space. It's true. So 1988. I have no idea where our economy was at that point, but like I'm pretty sure that's right before uh, Desert Storm. And I'm imagining yeah, that it's like three or general, four years. Yeah, I'm just imagining in general our economy probably wasn't great. 2008. I know our economy wasn't great. Yeah, and at that point, like, okay, cool. These people probably need to be uh, compensated in a better way. Now we're at the moment we're at the the point where I know, and not to get super political, but like right now we've got our debt ceiling is getting hit, and there's a lot of talk about us going into a recession of some kind if we don't figure it out as a government. Yeah, Again, thankfully, I will say, I will say the bill that would raise mm-hmm. the debt ceiling has already it's been sent to Biden's desk for signature. So it yeah, should yeah. probably by the time this is released already have been signed. Yeah. But just in just as a hey, like this is happening, it, it right. It lines up with this idea of okay, we're not adjusting like it goes back to what you were saying, Tyler, about the fact that like we're not adjusting the way that we pay writers and the way that we pay people to the way that the economy is going and to the way that right. like people deserve it. Um, and so it's just, I think it comes back to that idea um, of paying people well, but also like, I'm curious if in the coming weeks, if the screen actors, I think it's screen actors, right? Screen actors guild. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious if they'll, if, if they'll join the strike as well and what that can look like for, for these companies and for these, these businesses, because if they don't get on it, they're they're really gonna have some problems, and we're gonna yeah, be sitting there. I don't know. I was gonna say we're we're just gonna be looking at reruns for months and months and months and months, probably. Well, and of then older I'm shows. scared. Yeah, I mean, then I'm scared for for the theaters. Like I'm currently like I'm not scared for for big companies. I'm scared for the mom and pop theaters that are sitting there saying. We, we we make money from concession stands, and yeah. now we're gonna have to go get reruns. Yeah, like you're saying. Um, and thankfully, and get, I I go after a I go after a rerun in a movie theater. I think that'd be cool. I would too. Yeah, I mean, we just did it a month ago, and I, we would have gone to Return of the King right. as well if if we'd been able to. But like, um, yeah. it's just one of those things where I think um, not scared for the big guy, more so scared for the little guy who works off of the big guy's whole thing, which, you know, I mean, for sure in recent years, the, the, that's been also their biggest struggle as well, though, is dealing with the big companies saying, Oh, let's just put stuff on streaming. And then you've got theaters getting screwed over. So yeah, it's it's honestly a give and take in, in the sense of, of their figure. We're going to have to see how that goes. And and, and honestly, um, if you're just tuning in with us uh, and you hadn't heard anything about, uh, the WGA strike at all. 
Um, I would really encourage you guys to go check it out. I'd really encourage you to read up on it and, and really just kind of see what's going on with that because um, just just to keep kind of a, an idea and mindset of this is what's going on. And um, if you're sitting there in a couple months saying, or in, in a year saying, why aren't there movies out that I want to go watch? This is why. This is and why. Yeah. Just, just so you can be aware of like, what's happening and, and, and why we might be in a little bit of a dry spell in a bit if this doesn't get figured out. And I mean, if people aren't paid what they deserve. That's right. All right. So the last thing we're going to talk about today is going to be, we're going to talk about, this is how we're going to end the episode, if that's all right with you, Nick. Yeah. Uh, yeah totally. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about Ted Lasso. Ow, ow, ow. Jamie talk do 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 Jamie talk do 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 Jamie. So uh, the finale of Ted Lasso, presumably the series finale. We'll see what happens. My personal prediction is they're going to come out with a show called AFC Richmond, but we'll see exactly what I, happens. I hope. I hope it's not called AFC Richmond. Uh, I saw a title, and I really liked this title, and it was Richmond Till We Die. See, that's just too long of a show name. No, it's not. Yeah. A four, oh, come a four on. Word word totally... TV show title? It's literally, so it's, okay, but do you remember, like, the chant? We're Richmond till we die, Richmond till we die. Yeah, it just, yeah. it's just great. It rolls off the tongue. I mean, we have shows that have long names already. We have um, <laughs> Only Murderers in the Building, uh, How I Met Your Mother, um, This See, Is and Us. What do they... What do they call those those shows? They call them himyum because they want to show. No, 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 no. No, nobody actually calls it that. They type it out. They might type it out, but they never say that. They never say uh, himyum or hymen. <laughs> I've definitely heard a lot of people use that. Um, but okay, we we we're going to talk about the uh, the finale, the se- season three in general, but the se- se- series finale specifically. Of Ted Lasso, so I have been a huge fan of Ted Lasso. Uh, big, 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 big fan of Jason Sudeikis's portrayal, portrayal rather, of mm-hmm. uh, Ted Lasso, a, a, an American college football, American football coach who goes to England to coach a Premier League soccer team, and boy, we've talked about it before, and we don't need to get into it again, but. The show consistently and constantly turned these dramatic movie and TV show tropes on their heads and performed like rational people and did things in an entertaining way, but still in like a more human way. Okay, so just to clarify, if you have not watched the finale and you don't want spoilers, do not listen to the rest of this. Um, That's right, because Ted Lasso because I would, dies. Well, I would I would love to not spoil it, but there's too much that I want to talk about from this that I won't not be able to spoil it. So if you if you want to go watch the finale, or if you don't care about spoilers and you're okay hearing our thoughts and then going and watching the show and crying yourself anyways, um, yeah. go ahead. But my favorite thing, just as you're saying that, about how it takes these tropes and it flips them on their head and all these stuff, my favorite thing is in the final episode when Jamie and, and, and Roy go to get a beer and he's sitting there. And it will, okay, well, first off, when Roy goes, he's like, you want to go get a beer? He's like, I can't have beer. You're with me. You get a pass. And 
they go to the bar and he's sitting there and he's like oh what was it he said oh he said something about keely uh like he did it in such a way that you know you're just sitting there watching roy try to get the answer out of jamie yeah to say oh i i don't have feelings for keely anymore uh yeah. boy, don't be worried about that um but oh no okay um sorry uh one of our one of our uh, future guests tried to call me in the middle of the podcast. Uh, shout out to Jay Scott. Anyways, um, <laughs> but it's that moment when you're sitting there and you're like, this is the most cliche trope that they could have done with this. Yeah. And I hate it. And then they show up to Keeley's door, just broken, like just beating, beating the pulp out of each other. And she is just so ready for it. And she's and like the, the, the look on her face when she opens the door and she knows what's happened. Like she just knows yeah where it's going, what's happening, and it just, it just, I was crying laughing, because I'm like, you know, I don't even care that they did the trope. My big thing was that she just didn't choose. That, well, and that turns it on its head, really, because, yeah, honestly, if, if, if I'm given the choice of two people that presumably I love, I'm not gonna, first of all, I'm not gonna choose in front of both of them. Yeah. And if you've already moved on from both of them, then it, I think it still does, in a sense. It I think what Ted Lasso does is it sets you up to believe they're going to live up to those tropes, and then it mm-hmm. turns it on its head. Oh, but yeah. I love that yeah. scene, too. I love that scene, too. Oh. My favorite scene would have to be um, when Rebecca – just all the scenes with Rebecca and Ted. Mm-hmm. Those were mm-hmm. all so lovely and just – but the – the way I want people to do this, if you've seen the show in its entirety now, go back to the first episode right after watching the finale. You'll find that so, there are so many elements of the first episode that mm-hmm. play itself in that last episode. And then there are things that are the complete opposite. So the introduction of Ted to Rebecca and why he's coming there in the first place and Ted's marriage is down in the toilets at the beginning, but it appears to be mm-hmm. on the rise in the season finale. Even the dance that he's infamous for mm-hmm. is yes. the, the running man that it is so recorded good. with his college football team. He does it on the pitch with his team. And it's just, it, it's this beginning and end that just beautifully pit. Jason Sudeikis is quite literally a genius but my problem with the show is that i had no idea it was only going to be three seasons even though jason sudeikis literally said it was going Mm -hmm. to be three seasons see my thing is is i'm just glad that he had the self-control to say people love this but i'm gonna stick with what i believe this show should be and, and, and that is the thing. For me, one of my favorite things, and this is why I love Dungeons & Dragons, just as, a, as an entirety, this is why I love, um, this is why I love shows that just, just I, this is why I just love when people don't get greedy. Because he said, this is the story I set out to write. This is the story I set out to share. And I'm going to stick to that story. Because if yeah. I give people more, it will ruin the story that I've tried to create. And I've tried yeah. to tell. And it's one of those things where he creates Ted in this way of, like, Ted leaves America to escape, like, 
he has a bit of escapism. Like he he is escaping his divorce, but he leaves. It's one of those things where you see him kind of figure out. He he gets through his trauma of a fear of being a father, and that's what I love. It's one of those things where like Ted goes through this this thing of like fear of pretty much being a father because of the way that he lost his dad. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want Henry to have the same relationship. But he he I think in his head he's like, oh, if I escape, if if I go and do this thing and get out of here. I can escape my divorce. I cannot mess up with Henry because then I just won't be around in general. So then I can't mess it up. And he ends up being in this spot of the only way not to mess this up is to take these problems head on. The only way to not mess this up is, is to leave. Yes. I've, I love Richmond and yes, I love the family that I've created, but I have to give that up. And I have to, because one of my favorite things is, um, is the book. So they often put little, um, little easter eggs in in the episodes based off of the books that people are reading and the book that ted is reading on the plane is how to change your mind mm. and i'm like that's good ah I'm like he just he wants to be in richmond and he just knows that he has to be with henry and i just love it but my one of my favorite things so i somehow ended up on a on on ted lasso tiktok and i'm totally okay with it um <laughs> Because it just has a bunch of like edits and stuff, and one of my favorite things is the edit of it's 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 Ted trying to teach Jamie um, the trick play from the beginning, and yeah. then Jamie doing the trick play. But as soon as oh my gosh, I was just I was crying because one I just loved it, but two I'm just a sucker for shows. Again, I'm I'm a sucker for good endings, and I'm a sucker for for shows saying this is time to go. Um, yeah, and and so like to see. Uh, Jamie go through this whole transition of, I won't be the decoy because I'm too good to be the decoy. And Jamie being this person who's like, I'm I'm better than Sam Obazanya. I'm better than everybody else on the team. And and just belittling and, and putting everybody down. To I saw an edit and it was somebody comparing all the times where Sam was like, just the absolute worst to Sam. Or not Sam. Uh, Jamie was the absolute worst to Sam. But then you get to, but then it flashed to him at the uh, at the, oh shoot, whatever that, the all-star game was, um, and wearing Sam's number. Yeah, yeah. And it's just stuff like that where I'm like, you guys figured out how to write a story and give characters their own motivations, their own personalities, but also their own arc. You didn't sit there and say, oh, well, that guy's in the background because his, his name isn't Beard or Ted. Yeah. Or, or, or Nathan. Yeah. Or Roy Kent. Like, or Rebecca. Like, you didn't, they didn't just say, oh, well, they're just in the background. That, that's a character you'll meet sometimes. Like, they'll be here. No. Every character had a real relationship and friendship or, or motivation throughout the series to grow. Yeah. And, and speaking on that, uh, the, the rarity of a show to do exactly what you're talking about without feeling overcrowded, without feeling like there's too much packed into an episode. Mm-hmm. With Ted Lasso, every se- there's no second wasted in Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. Everything is meticulously thought out and planned out, and everybody has a story arc. You're right. And even the three drunk fans and May at the bar have a story arc. They go from being these obnoxious, you know, drunken guys in a bar 
to owning a piece of Richmond. Mm -hmm. And May goes from a struggling bar owner to being able to purchase multiple shares of AFC Richmond. And not, and I got to say, I love Rebecca's story. Mm. And, and I'm, dare I say it too, I love Rupert's story too, because what happens to Rupert, he's the, he's the villain throughout it all from beginning to end. But at the end, when spoiler alert, the entire stadium is booing him for pushing down his manager. And as he leaves, as he leaves the pitch, I believe they were playing at the dog track, which is where AFC Richmond's home field, mm-hmm. home field is. Mm-hmm. The, st- the stadium he grew up in, the stadium that had his heart, is booing him. And you can see the literal heartbreak on his face as he's leaving. And much like what happened with Nate's reversal, you start to mm-hmm. feel just a little bit of compassion for Rupert. Because the whole point of Ted Lasso is that every single person is a human being, including the bad guy. Rupert Mm -hmm. is the bad guy through and through. But there is a heart in that man, and we saw it break at the end of that episode. And Rebecca's story is incredible. Going from a vindictive ex-wife to being a standalone, empowered woman who seemingly found her man – uh, in her pilot friend from Amsterdam, which oh. that was such an adorable storyline too. Man, I loved that, and it's yeah. Well, and and there's just so much good stuff, and it honestly the the part that got me was like when it was going through the epilogues. One of the things that uh, it made me very sad. Like I was like I should be happy for him, but it was the fact that Sam went to Nigeria. Yeah, the fact he that was Sam. Com- start, he went back home, and I was like. No, that I was like, you can't do this. You you have got to stay. Stop it. You can't go home. I'm selfish about that. But I'm just like, it's the it's and, and I oh my gosh, one of the things that I so badly want is I want the book. Um, I want the book that Trent Krim writes. I wish yeah, they would publish I, it. But also, I'm sure they will. Uh, I'm sure they will. I hope. But one of the things that I noticed, I was watching a, a thing, and it was the clip of Ted's first, um, Ted's first press conference, in which Trent Krim is questioning him, and Rebecca, at the literally to end the the press conference, is like, pretty much she says, uh, things are changing here at Richmond UFC Richmond, and from now on, these like we are going to be going by the lasso way. Yeah. That's crazy. And, and then Trent Kim, Krim like tries to name the book that. And I'm just like, what? But I didn't notice it until like I saw the clip again. And I was just like, oh, that's so. And I just, there's so much good stuff where they just, they try to, they, they try to tie things into bows and they do it. They don't just yeah. jump around it and say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to tie no, they tie things up. They make it a bow. Um, I mean, they just, they do a phenomenal job. And if you're, if you're looking for a show that will not only give you a good story, but will also like teach you something every episode and make you feel things, make you laugh and cry and, and all of the above. If you're looking for like tips and leadership, if you're looking for 
literally almost anything, look into Ted Lasso. Yes, yeah. it is a mature show, but it is phenomenal and it will break your heart and make you laugh and cry. And you will feel like you have made a new friend. Yeah. And it's just, just so good. Yeah. Agreed. And it is a mature show. Plenty of questionable things get talked about uh, on Ted Lasso. And definitely not advised for anybody probably under the age of 18 uh, because probably. it's a very mature show with quite heavy language. Um, but like Nick said, it's it's incredible. There's a great story. Leadership principles, forget about it. It's amazing. And mm-hmm. I, I saw a review uh, about uh, Ted Lasso early on or after the second season or something that basically said they took the American way of things and brought it to the UK. And part of what people in the UK are meeting with Ted Lasso is the idealistic version of what America should be, Mm -hmm. right? And what America wants to be and America should be and all those things and taking it to the UK. And I think that's a beautiful message in and of itself too. But Ted Lasso, I would I would dare say gets a ten out of ten in my book. And that's just Amen. that's just what happens when Jason Sudeikis, like you were talking about, not greedy, he has the full story coming in. He knows exactly what he's gonna do all the way back when. And he sticks to it. And when you have something written out completely and you don't just write a pilot, <clears throat> throw it out there and just hope that the story sticks eventually. When you have the full story written out and thought out, it's beautiful. Every single time it turns out beautiful. When you have a good story that's thoroughly written out completely from start to finish before you even hit record. And I know Ted Lasso was a commercial before it was anything else. But mm-hmm. the, the fact that Jason Sudeikis came in taking a commercial character and making it this TV show based on a story that he came up with, it's it's going to be 100% amazing every stinking time. Ted Lasso, 10 out of 10. 100%. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. It's definitely a 10 out of 10. Um, it's, it's just incredible. And yeah. I, I, like, I, couldn't, um, I couldn't come up with more words. One of my favorite things, just something <clears throat> to make somebody aware if you're starting it for the first time. Um, but start looking out for uh, for some some noticeable uh, what's the word Easter eggs or kind of things that point towards the Wizard of Oz. Because mm. one of the coolest things that I've seen is a lot of people make the connections of Ted Lasso and the Wizard of Oz, and how Ted is very much Dorothy and Beard is Toto, and uh, Ted is always wearing his or most of the time wearing his red uh, red shoes and. Um, comes from Kansas. There's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Um, but it's very well put together. And I was everybody. Every time I've seen the uh, argument, it's a very well thought out argument, and it has a lot of actual concrete to it. And I'm like, that's really cool. Like that is. Um, there are a lot of Easter eggs alluding to, um, the Wizard of Oz and that lining up. And uh, one of the coolest things is uh, the the what was it? They pretty much said like the way that that Ted leaves the group and Ted leaves uh, Richmond when he's speaking to them. He says, a lot of people like to say, uh, there's no place like home. But I would like to yeah. say there's no place like UFC Richmond. 
Yeah, true. And that's actually pretty crazy. And, you know, what I was just saying about Rupert, his heart melting, that's the Wicked Witch melting right before mm-hmm. their very eyes. Yep. That's crazy. Yep. That's cool. I'm I'm going to watch the series again with that in mind now. So that's yeah. amazing. Well, Nick, this has been a great episode. Uh, getting us back on time. track, check, checking everything in, getting everything, laying it all down. Why don't you close us out, brother? Uh, well, you know what my favorite, uh, my favorite animal is? What's that? The goldfish. It's a goldfish because, you know what? If you be like a goldfish, you got a 10-second memory. So, kind of, you forget all your mistakes. I don't know the actual quote, but I just love that. I love that from Ted Lasso. <laughs> I couldn't remember the quote, and I was like, I don't know, look it up. But be a goldfish. See? See? It's all poopy. Poop just let it, just let it flow. Yep, thank you guys for listening to this episode of Pop Culture Pulpit. We'll see you on the next one.